0: Hi, I'm Frederick, co-founder and CEO of SecFi. And I'm panicked about Howard's health after the Palooza event.
1: linson hello linson burke i'm here <laughs> there's two of you burke is
2: welcome back here because he just he, he threw me under the bus canoe
1: that, yes, that was it.
2: hilarious all right we're we we may include him in the, are you ready you think, do you have do you have your computer open to look up stuff um i do not it's all <laughs> it's all in the brain though oh so don't you worry. yeah yeah all right well can you, welcome well, thank you. You got a lot going on. You got Hans in town. Yeah.
1: So uh Morton Morton just flew in as well. Come on. No. It's the foursome. Yeah. I know, right? The gruesome foursome. So wait, you're you've got your uh you're staying with Hans. It's the other way around, really. Hans is staying with you. Yes. Morton's staying with Morton. Yes. Who are you staying with? I'm staying with Alan still. Good.
2: Uh, for now. <laughs> and uh, we're waiting on uh I, I, there's six or seven friends of mine that drive Rolls Royces, and I'm really hoping they don't listen to the plug. <laughs> so Ethan threw me under the bus, as you oh. know. He, he remembers, he thinks he remembers me hitting a, uh, a Rolls Royce. Yesterday I went to the game, mm-hmm. first Suns game with Kevin Durant, and they didn't slip, thank goodness. So uh, we got Durant back, maybe we'll make a run. We're a little, it's a mixed team. A little bit young, a little bit old. But boy, Aiton, Booker, and uh, Durant—they got some uh, good players. We we shall see. They won. It was it, it was a good game. They they didn't play great. Um, Durant was really struggled. Yeah, twenty seven percent. Yeah, he was throwing up uh, knuckleballs. Yeah. He it, they, he thought he was a pitcher. So well, I took honch golf in the other day. It's just two old dudes. I, I, after eight holes, I was like, oh, my elbow, my shoulder. I mean, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> he said it.
1: he had to use your clubs after two holes because this were just too old and decrepit.
2: Yeah. And then um, I'm trying to think what else. We had Palooza this weekend. So Fred, uh Fredrik, Fred Rick uh, from Amsterdam came into town from SecFi. And we had such a great discussion. I said, you know, come come on the pod uh, so yeah, we had uh, 160
1: people in town uh, this weekend. How'd you think it went? I'm Pete. You know, I think it went really well. Great people, great conversations. Met a lot, a lot of nice new people. Uh, next time, I think we're gonna have need to have more Howie. Oh, is that the rumor? Yep. Why? Because you're you're great at what you do. You're a good presenter. You're a good interviewer. You're funny. You know what you're talking about. Damn. I I I uh. You know, this, this age, this 57, when
2: we used to do this show, I uh, would run, every, it was like a Broadway show, I'd run every inch of it, and uh, you right. give the inmates an inch and they take a mile, so I guess <laughs> I got to come back. It was, it was lightly produced this year. I wanted to just listen to some of the fund managers in the company, so I was just kind of sitting myself as a, as a uh, acting as a uh, a guest, right? you know, just to catch up. And uh, I enjoyed it, but it seems like people wanted me to do more. So uh, next year I gotta I gotta get back on stage. It seems like
1: Fireside is awesome. Higher cheers, higher up on the podium, fantastic. All right, well let's get into it today.
2: I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, Riley, what, first time you're 19. What what did you, you think of the event? Ethan and I'm 20. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I literally wasn't even trying to be funny. Fuck, Ethan. What, what did you good? think of it? Planning those things You're is 20. no joke. I am. Did you have a birthday since you started here? No, right. <laughs> but last time you met me, when you first met me, I think I was nineteen. So. Okay, good. Well, I do listen. I think. Uh, uh, what is what is an internship like? Been under the the great Howard Linton? You learn a lot. <laughs> Hi! you know what? If you learn a lot, Canute. You, do you think he learns a lot?
1: I think he does. He's a wonderful kid. I know, but you shouldn't prop him up too much. He might think you know he will he get to stay.
2: No, uh, the wait, no. We talked about it yesterday. One year, Fred right. Wilson started the internships. One year, analyst. One year. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, how many months are you into this?
1: Four. You Four. know, I applied for USV one year um, and analyst. Didn't hear back.
2: <laughs> well, actually, that's they, top of the food chain. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're six, seven rungs down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get in where you fit in. You know. Get in where you fit in.
1: Ooh. Canute, any, any thoughts around that? Any stories that you have for I don't us? fit in anywhere. Seeing I'm that people want tall. us to, to banter more. I'm yeah. trying to think of something that's happened funny to me. I was just overwhelmed by all the people coming over and saying, you know, how, oh, great, right, how, right, great, right. how great the the podcast is. And they liked the band. It was your moment of fame. I know. Yeah. Well, it's one of them. You were upset because there was another tall dude there.
2: and People were coming up to him and saying, are you Canute? So we have a sign made for you at the
1: next palooza that would said "Yes" with arrows on it. I'm Knute, <laughs> just, yes. just a sign over your neck, like a cowbell. That says "Yes, I'm Canute." Right. And but Sam, who's the other tall one, he, he's you know he's like one third of my age. You was know, a good group of people, I would say. Um, you know, we had
2: uh, Greg from Axos Bank show up just to talk to people. And we had Steve Hilton from Meritage Homes, founder, CEO. Uh, now, chairman, you know, four billion dollar home builder talking about uh, prop tech. What you know? Lack of prop tech, but also you know, supply chain, labor issues. Right. Um, yeah, it was it was fascinating. And then from uh, Riviera Partners, which is a big recruitment firm, uh, product people and, and uh, engineering, just talking about highest level what what, what uh, these people see across the market. So it was great to have the founders there get those point of views and make these networks. And uh, it's good to be back, though, in the studio. So this is an interesting conversation. People need to listen closely. If you have kids, uh, friends who work at startups, I don't think a lot of people understand all the issues that go with your equity. You know, people are excited to work for a startup, and they really need to negotiate, you know, their equity, and they also got to understand how to how to navigate uh, when they exercise the equity and all the meaning. So we're going to have an expert on the show. Fred is the uh, one of the founders of Secfi and CEO. Uh, he's been, I would say, at the very center of both this boom in equity prices and what it meant for founders and for lenders. Uh, he'll explain the product and the company quickly, and then obviously, as a derivative of uh, this tech crash, we've we've had a really long year because the markets just dried up at a, at a double the scales that happen in the, in the regular market. So we'll walk through this trough that we just got through and how we see the other side and mistakes that were made by a lot of companies with the RSUs, et cetera, uh, culminating with the Stripe price ramp. So a little geeky, but a really important subject. And um, it's a really cool company. So let,
1: Fred's in Amsterdam today, right? Yes, he is.
2: All right, Fred, let's get him on. Yeah. Fred. Yeah, hey there. Hey, Howard. How are you? Hey, buddy. SecFi today. Yeah. Tell us a little
0: bit about it. SecFi is a, is, a, is a financing platform and, and wealth manager for startup founders, execs, and anyone actually that works at a large venture-backed private company that owns equity in that company. Uh, that's really our expertise and how we help folks uh, make better decisions effectively.
2: And so where's the company
0: today? In terms of like size? Yeah. Well, the company is a, yeah, what what would you call it? Like series B-ish stage? Yeah. We have about 60 people in the company. Uh, like the platform helps in multiple ways. Like we have people using a freemium platform that they can use to model out and make better decisions around their equity. There's about 40,000 people on the platform. So that's that's quite a few startup builders and founders you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have paid products like uh, uh, liquidity financing that they can take out, so they can lend against a private company stock, for example, to take
2: out some liquidity, um, or wealth management solutions. So let's talk. Recently, I don't know if this is going to be kind of a bottom in the market or just more of the same. The, let's talk about the Stripe yeah. case. Stripe, Stripe was one of the one of the largest private companies, and they just did a. Around down about 50%, and the money raised was uh, for the employees. So let's walk through what people missed and don't understand. And you know, going public, you know, why this might have been a bungle by Stripe not to go public earlier. Yeah, the news is all
0: out there, right? That they are down 50%. Like, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, in the secondary markets, uh, like almost a year ago like some of the trades were happening almost at a $200 billion valuation. So mm. uh, from that perspective, they're almost down like 75%. Got it. But uh, yeah, it's it's big, eh? It's a big difference. And I think it's a result of what, yeah, what's been happening in the public markets and just with venture funding. But I think the big thing that happened at Stripe and why they ended up raising the round is that um a key thing that a lot of individuals and people don't know is that stock options – uh, which is a large part of like compensation that happens within startups. Companies have a little bit less cash, right? So how do you get good talent on board? Well, you give them equity, something you do own. And when uh, like a venture-backed company reaches like the IPO stages, about 19% of the cap table, so equity ownership is is actually in the hands of employees. It's a very significant amount. But the crux is that when you issue equity uh, and issue stock options. It's federal law, effectively, that they can only exist for 10 years. And after 10 years, they expire, whatever happens. You can't do anything around it. Options just expire if they're not exercised. So the crux is what you see happening at Stripe is that this company, yeah, these companies stayed private for longer and longer. They kept on raising capital like uh, nothing was wrong, like the sky was the limit. But suddenly the IPO window closes, and I think Stripe was preparing for an IPO last year. Mm -hmm. They weren't able to go public, and now they saw that in this very next six, nine, 12, uh, two years, actually a lot of the earlier employees at the company are going to see their options expire. So Stripe effectively is stuck being private, but by being stuck, they cannot offer the liquidity for their employees to be able to exercise, and all of their equity is going to effectively expire. So that's what forced this entire round to happen.
2: So the whole amount of money raised is to clean up something, not for company use. No, exactly. I mean, uh,
0: honestly, I don't know if if there might be a small portion, but
2: uh, the vast, vast majority is purely to clean something up. Yeah, and that hence the haircut. So, yep. this was the end of an era. You know, the Uber got through. Uber, the pensions got their their money out. Um, Airbnb, you know, March. Uh, The COVID situation, they printed money. Whoever needed to get out, got out. Stripe probably, in hindsight, should have got out right then. Yeah. Uh, They could do so much more damage with the the public security. And then now they were forced because some... Would you say they didn't understand the problem? Is that the CFO's fault? Yeah, I I mean... Yeah, they should
0: have seen this coming. I think, um, I think two, three years ago, they should have made a risk assessment and and think about the fact: okay, what if we can we really not go public indefinitely? Um, I'll tell you one example: like SpaceX, they mm-hmm. they do tenders very often, and because of this, they actually do not have as big of an issue because a lot of the earlier employees were able to exercise because of these continuous tenders that they're doing. Mm-hmm. So the, the problem is not that big there. But Stripe hasn't done that in the past, so they actually have a larger group of individuals that have still outstanding equity that that is
2: unexercised. So yeah, I think they should have seen this coming. So if the market stays like this, is this is this a bigger problem, the Stripe problem, or are we on the other, or is is this a rare case? No,
0: I mean uh, look, you could make a list of companies that that were founded before 2012. Um, yeah, like they are all gonna run into this for their early
2: early employees. So now let's take what we've learned. Starting a company today, how should people, from the employee side and the company side, how should people think about Secfi? Because you can come to Secfi, S-E-C-F-I, and get the calculator, do all this stuff from an employee side. Yep. But you're, when should a company start thinking about Secfi, when they raise a Series A or a Series B? I, I think it's more
0: Series C, honestly. I mean, we can, we can help the founders and the CFO like make, make some smarter decisions around how to... Uh, um, manage their equity and who to give what. So we, we do do this, but uh, if you think about broader education, like it's usually when you get a bit
2: of a broader and larger employee base, um, and the valuations go up a bit more significantly. Okay, so Series C founder, there's there's two things. There's there's Secfi reaching out to Series C companies explaining the business of Secfi. Correct. Yeah. And then there's Series C employees and uh, founders that discover SecFi or know about SecFi and they come to SecFi, correct? Yep. And so how does the process work? I mean, the process works is that usually you would have one of these
0: uh, individuals, whether it's a founder, an exec or uh, or an employee, reach out to us because they're looking for help on their equity. And why this usually happens at Series C stages or Series D stages is that, before that point in time when the company's worth maybe a $50 million valuation, and I know we can talk about the crazy valuations and Series A happening at like a billion and a half valuation two years ago. Yeah, but that's over. <laughs> that's over, right? So in the more normal days, like uh, uh, when the company hits like these larger multi-hundred million dollar valuations, it's in these types of stages. And that's also when you see that if you own, I don't know, like a half a percent or um, something around that percentage of a company. Like that starts to become quite significant. So people start to realize when they look at their net worth, wow, like 90% of it's actually this equity in this one company. If I look at my public holdings, some crypto they have, some private trading they've been doing, some cash savings and whatever, they like 90% is going to be this private company stock. And that's when they start coming to us because they start to Google and start to realize they need to make smarter decisions if they really want to manage their wealth effectively. Mm -hmm. And that's how we help. And so they'll Google what what's a typical term that they will Google? honestly, I think like the number one is like stock option exercise. Uh, I okay. think uh, that probably
2: gets a lot of about to us. <laughs> and so stop option, exercise, so they land on sec five. Yeah now there's two cycles to this. At the beginning of the days, because we started this company I don't know, five, six, six-ish years ago. Five years, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they come in, you have all the calculators built, they can submit a request. Do both sides have to play ball? Explain it to people. You mean also the company? Yeah.
0: We we call it in 99% of the cases work directly with the company. Um, So we would have a conversation with the company, explain what we're doing. Uh, Because we want the company to be involved and on board with what's going on, it's it's very important. And I think a lot of employees also find that super important. They don't want to go behind the back of the company. And the company also should be super supportive of
2: these kind of things. So you call the company, and what's the benefit to the company? It's, well, obviously the Stripe situation, but what is how yeah, does Secfi? what, what yeah. is the the benefit to the company?
0: Well, the company as an entity, I think it's about helping your employees like uh, uh, properly manage it. So I think that's one. I think the second thing which I usually tell founders is you effectively give away nineteen percent or eighteen percent of your company, and this includes the investors' rights or the VCs. Like a lot of a lot of value has been given away to the employees building that. If you don't explain what they're getting, and if you don't explain the impact of raising the next round, and if you don't, if they don't understand what this all means, why are you giving it away? Isn't it to incentivize people to help you build value? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is the real crux behind it. Like you want everybody to be aligned to build a lot of value. Help your end- employees understand what they have. Help your end- employees understand what it could be and uh, help your employees get some early liquidity out so they also see like real tangible value uh, from what they've been building. And I think that drives everybody building something beautiful and being super aligned.
2: Well, and also, I mean, things have changed, right, with with engineers, but it's also, it creates an ability for people not to hop around.
0: Yeah, uh, that's true. But I think the crux is, and I've had conversations with this before, like where And I won't won't disclose the the chief HR officer, but this was of a large company that was about to go public about three years ago. And he had a very frank conversation with him where he would say, the issue we're seeing is that we actually have a group of very early employees that were a really good fit when the company was series A, B, C stages. Mm. But now we have 4,000 employees in this company. We're called a startup or scale up, whatever you want to call it. But effectively, we're like a very large publicly run company. And some of these individuals actually aren't the best fit for this type of scale and this types of phase of the company, but they can't even leave. Like they can't even exercise their equity. They can't even leave the company. It might be better for both parties if some of these yeah. folks move on. And I found that a very interesting insight that I haven't even thought about is that, yeah, you create this lock-in effect where people can't leave, but sometimes- that, that might actually be not what you need anymore. Like companies change. It needs change. It needs
2: to evolve. Now, now let's go back to the company and, and, and our own struggles, right? We invested, we're seed invested. We invested way, way back, a, a four-ish million valuation with Wooder and Yume. Um The world was completely different. We were in an up market there yeah. was, this was this was kind of a bull market product idea yeah started with Wooter's own prom where what what was his what's the big prom that some people miss now from the employees side what do the employees need to understand about exercising options in their and and how they have to think about protecting their biggest asset if they work at a startup
0: yeah I mean I think I think there's one about protection which is if there's an exercise deadline and you don't exercise in time and you leave the company, uh, you have 90 days or maybe it's a year or whatever it might be, like you just lose it. And if you can't pay the tax bill, that was Wouter's situation and my situation in the early days when we worked at another startup, like you just lose it. So it's all gone. So that's that's risk number one. And I think the second is more of an opportunistic risk, I would say, is that if you don't exercise, like you pay the highest potential tax on an exit. Um so the sooner you exercise, the sooner you own the shares, the sooner you are, yeah, effectively in capital gains tax territory, and you just maximise your gains. So there's a sort of negative downside and uh, an opportunistic downside to not taking action uh, in the
2: early, early on. Well this is this is something that's confusing to a lot of people that you could theoretically <laughs> yeah. go broke exercising early. So, yeah. you go into a series A company, you get some shares. What if you and you don't have great information. Yeah. Right, you're just an employee in engineering. You don't know the whole. Yeah. Let's, let's not use FTX as an example, but let's use. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of an example. Let's use your company. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a rocket ship. You yeah. exercise your options and you do it wrong. What kind of problems can happen? Like, how should you be really thinking about protecting yourself? Yeah. Or is there like, is it like a golden rule? You just exercise, exercise, exercise.
0: No, no definitely no. Because look at okay. look at FTX. You look at birds. You look at. Uh, what we've seen in the last three years, there's such a, a insane amount of companies that ballooned to multi-billion dollar valuations in a matter of one, two, three years, and then went yes. down to, like, if you had exercised, then you had paid taxes on that, and then it went down so significantly again, like you lose all your money, right? Yes. So it's not risk-free. Uh, I totally understand. And it, it, you should not invest with, with the faculty money you can't lose. That's the first thing you should tell someone.
2: Okay, so when you're exercising, you still have to think about yeah. the fact that you could lose money. Yeah, you should ask the founder to give you more information. Like, that's that's the first thing I would tell someone. So so really, it is. It's kind of like stock investing at some way. It, it is. You, you can't just blindly exercise, but at the same time, if you... Are aboard a rocket ship that is working, and you aren't exercising early, you could be left with a huge tax bill later. Yeah, or you could lose it all together if you can not manage it. You could lose time. it all together. So these are serious decisions. How do we educate? Like as bad an education as there is for everything else, I think kids just they go to these companies, they sign up, and they just think they're going to be taken care of. Yeah, it's not um, the case. Yeah. And so
0: how do we educate them? I mean, I think it's a great question. I mean. Um, when I get asked that question, like "Who's your biggest competitor?" like I usually say, like people not
2: understanding this at all. <laughs> I think that's it. It's it's people. I, I'm trying to think of the landscape because I was an investor in AngelList. Yeah, and and I've done a show here, about my biggest one of my biggest misses, which is Carta. Yeah, there's two players in the industry that touch cap tables pretty early right now, and you probably know some more. Yeah, but the two big ones are AngelList and Carta, right? You you. You set up your company. The shares get held there. Yep. Carta knows where all the shares are. Um, so they could do a much better job of, of educating. I guess the E-Trades and Schwab's could do a better job of education. I know SecFi explains this on their website. <laughs> um, is there some kind of, or is the world going to change and equity won't become as important? Like, well, How do we solve this? Well, I, 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 I don't think that's going to happen.
0: Uh, I right. think equity is going to remain uh, very important. And I think it's a great way to incentivize people and make sure your team is aligned. Okay. I think it creates bigger and better companies. So I don't think that's going to change. But um, I think it really starts with founders, man. It, even even if you have an angelist or a Carda or a Shareworks that that manage the cap table, like it's the founder that needs to decide how much they want to disclose and how much they want to inform their team to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an interesting example first time founders, even at very large companies they find it very scary to share information around how the company is doing and and even the share count and the latest press price and to their employee base like the most progressive founders that I've spoken to that are super open to their employees are stereo entrepreneurs mm-hmm it's really night and day in terms of difference and how you communicate with them and how they understand this immediately that they need to
2: do this properly. Now let's walk through our own problems in this industry. We saw it coming. You and I used to chat, I don't know, 12 months ago, right? Yeah, yeah. We saw the slowdown coming. And, and, and since SecFi is, is somewhat a derivative of this, yeah, Um. What we failed to see is that that derivative playing in effect. So so let's walk through SecFi, how SecFi works, SecFi without giving away any trade secrets. (laughs) Employees come to SecFi, companies sign up, you do your due diligence, you have third parties do due diligence. It's not like anybody can come and get money. People listen to that. Like, just because you're a Series B doesn't mean you come to SecFi. You can come use the calculator, you can come use the products, come ask questions. You should learn. Yeah. You can go to seminars and webinars, but not, SecFi doesn't fund just every company that comes along because there's due diligence and underwriting, very deep scrutiny. Okay. So now the company passes. How does the process
0: work? So when a company passes, like, it means that we effectively understand the risk profile that is tied to the company and what we do is we lend against the value of your stock so if the stock is worth and this is obviously the big question mark like if it is worth two million we might be able to give you 500k or 700k or whatever the number might be and now you can obviously see what happens right like the value of that stock is incredibly important to know who you can lend against and obviously what mm-hmm. happened in the last year is that interest rates started to increase because obviously that's been the obviously major change in the environment, like funding sources in the venture capital industry just dried up and up rounds dried up. The public <laughs> market started to value long-term uh, growth companies a lot less than short-term cash generated companies. So mm-hmm. those stocks tanked like no other. And multiples, like forward multiples for software companies were at like 50, 60, 70 times uh, forward revenue. Mm -hmm. And within six months time, it dropped to like 10, 12 times. Like Snowflake, who's the leader, is like at 14 times. But the peer group, these are great publicly traded software companies, are maybe doing like eight to nine, 10 times. So you have this large group of private companies that are valued on the last round that they raised when when uh, a sovereign wealth fund the softbank and tiger all wanted to like come into private companies at like 60 times uh, the company maybe grew two times which is amazing if you have that as a growth rate but if the multiples go down seven times yeah i mean you can sort of see the disconnect in in what value is at the moment of a private company and what we can lend against so for us, this was a major shift, obviously, in terms of like, okay, we really need to step back and assess and uh, wait this out
2: before you can really lend money again. Wow. So, so internally, we come out of this, and this is such an incredible product. There's going to be a lot of Listen, there's always one-off deals that can happen at these one or two great companies that's happening. people are willing to finance that. Like, you can't win all the deal. But one thing that's great about SecFi and this category is the liquidity it creates, right? Like, the whole point of this is to bring liquidity further down the pipeline. So, as much hate that we throw at the banks and as much hate as we want to throw at the government, you know, the systems have held pretty well. Mm-hmm. Right. There's still a lot of risk in the system. Yep. But products like SecFi and card and Angelus are really there to provide, you know, extra liquidity into the system. They're not perfect because these are private markets. No. And yep. there's no free lunch in that these founders really need to educate themselves and call on the SecFis and, and really talk to their founders and really talk to, you know, their wealth managers and really start asking real questions about this stuff. Because yep. it can be devastating to make you know these mistakes. There's, you know, this is your money. People yep. need to watch it. And and so, the other thing that we talked about at, our, at at Secfi as a firm is like you've created this incredible trust. Someone has two million dollars worth of of Pinterest stock or Uber stock, and you've done this for hundreds of people uh, or thousands of people, and you lend five hundred thousand or seven hundred thousand or in some cases seven million, depending on on the on the executive and the size of their certificate. And one thing I always, you know, and I and I've talked to Fred Wilson about this in the VC stage. I remember, you know, four years ago, coming, to you guys saying, "Guys, you can't let this money go out the door. You've done mm-hmm. this incredible service. People name their their uh, kids after you, or or, or their first <laughs> boat." And yeah,
0: and, I've, I've seen many of them. It's yeah, in a concern, so you, by the way. They So you can name
2: their first child. So yeah, <laughs> so you know, something so important in this industry is when you've. Put a trust around a product to do more with that customer. So so something we, that you've launched recently is 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 wealth management, right? Like, you've created that first piece of wealth for that customer, now you wanna be working with that customer for the rest of their life. You know, Goldman Sachs, I always say, one of their tricks is, and, and Carta and AngelList and Secfi, have this hack, I would say, or Goldman Sachs has the ability to know where these these certs are. They call on the founder of a late-stage yeah. company, and they say, we'll give you a loan, we'll set you up, we'll do all this for you, and that's how Goldman works, right? They sit there uh, like the black evil squid that they are, because they can, mm-hmm. okay, forgetting legal, not legal, these are the rules of the game, this is how the game is played, and they have this unfair advantage because of information and because of all the services they provide, to latch on that customer forevermore and charge one to 2% forevermore without ever having to have done the hard work. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is the game. You can't hate the game, you can hate the players. Um, one thing we've always talked about is if you're building, and I talk about this with all financial founders, and we're doing a lot of wealth tech, is if you're building this trust, then you need to hold on to the customer. So talk about how you now have thought through uh, extended product lines for the company.
0: Yeah. No, and 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 we we spoke about this for years, obviously, and yeah, I think we we really saw the the culmination of this when the first wave of IPO started happening, which I think was in twenty nineteen ish, and we helped a lot of individuals at Palantir, for example, and at Uber, like back in the in the early days, and when their company started to go public, like you just saw these individuals come back to us and ask the question, how do I diversify? what is a limit order <laughs> 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 effectively like they they just have never been working and never had this amount of wealth and never needed the knowledge to be able to like manage that properly and they would come back to the the player that apparently had a lot of financial expertise and we do uh, and they remember that and yeah I think that's that started evolving over time. So we launched, yeah, like a wholly owned RIA that that just does full wealth management for these individuals now that we help. And in some cases, it's even individuals that that don't even do financing with us. like that might not be the best option. that's okay. like um it's you're you're not obligated to. But just the amount of knowledge and information we have on private markets and how private markets are moving and how private markets are valued and when an IPO window might open up and whether your company might be a good acquisition target or not and the implications that might have for your stock, like purely the knowledge this company has on this one single asset, which defines 95% of your net worth, it, it drives people to us. Um, and and it makes us very effective in helping these individuals better than the average RAA. Like, why why would they have this expertise? Like, you can't blame them. Yes. Um, so for this niche, or yeah, like a very specific subset, like we are just a very effective wealth manager. And um, yeah, we we understand investing just as much as we understand uh, financial planning. So that's uh, that's what people come to us for now.
2: Yeah, it's a very exciting transition. What I'm what I'm most excited about. And SecFi covers us. Yes, the markets were terrible. And yes, SecFi had, you know, crisis moments because it's the first downturn. So we didn't we didn't know the derivative exposure uh-huh. of of a 70% or 60% NASDAQ pullback. And we still don't know the true extent of all the venture money. I'm sure you have some guesses and I don't want to, like, play the guessing game, but I don't think we're, we're a long way over from the Series B uh, and Series C round and the growth rounds being over. Yeah. But one of the exciting things of why we love Secfi at the beginning is we don't have to pick the next bull market. The bull market is going to happen somewhere, mm-hmm. and we're seeing it already develop in AI. Yeah. So you don't have to decide. The market is the market. Is there anything? And innovation
0: is innovation. Like uh, it will keep. Yeah, as happen. long
2: as innovation is happening, and companies are growing. Yeah. The Secfi just moves to where the puck is. Correct. Exactly. Like, innovation will keep on happening.
0: Like, unless you believe that entrepreneurship dies, (laughs) like, that's, uh, uh, then I think you're right. But that's not our belief. Like, there will be new things that need to be disrupted. And it's like water, right? It will find its way. Like, money will find its way into whatever sector needs to be funded, and you will see amazing companies coming up
2: there. I gotta think the Cardas of the world and Angelus have. I know they have interesting data, just like Stocktwits has trending in in Secfi. Do you get to see an early lead by who's filling out forms? Like where was it AI or biotech or three D? For like, sure, is, yeah. yeah.
0: Like we we get a lot of insights. So if from- you
2: get like a social networking like, <laughs> like sixty people from a social networking app. Uh, You just uh, send them to spam versus getting uh, 60 AI Series C companies. That's where you focus.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing. We see an uptick of usage of individuals at a certain company like one to two months before a round is announced. Hmm. Like there's just statistical evidence. Like, yeah, the insiders already know. The the outside world just doesn't know yet.
2: So yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of interesting insights that 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 go out. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about? Is there other products on the roadmap, or is it just quite simply we do two things well? We get your money. We manage your money. Well, manage your money is
0: uh, is definitely going to stay, and then we get your money. It's also about getting you smart forms of money. So in terms of like financial products, like it's one of our expertises, um, and I think even at Palooza we we spoke about this a little bit with a founder that that was having issues getting a getting a mortgage right like oh this is a good idea yeah so there's like a lot of these individuals they they have on paper they're not as wealthy so they might not be able to buy a home they might still be renting but they're they're having their first family but uh, if you look at their whole net worth like holistically including their equity they might be very wealthy so one thing we're working on is, is is smarter mortgages that like are a better fit in in uh, by cooperating with banks and other mortgage providers to make sure that that people can get a mortgage that fits their risk profile effectively. Um, so yeah, I think that those are very exciting products that are going to come down the down the pipe. Uh, yeah, there, there's other some very- more
2: bigger life decision type products. Mortgage is a perfect fit if you find the right bank yep. and you find the right product. Yeah, because you can go around the cash and just go straight to mortgage on some stuff. you know, the company's based in Amsterdam. New York. is where you're from. Yeah, yeah. That's where you're from. You were Accenture before. I don't know if you could do this if you didn't come from a financial background. Do you think it's helped you?
0: Um, I think it has helped. Um, but I think this specific expertise, like uh, you don't teach, you don't get, <laughs> like it's a pretty niche thing that we do here. So I, I think you can only learn by doing. Uh, and I think everyone I've met that has so much expertise that they, they have learned by doing. To be honest, um, so yeah, we've come a long way, obviously. Like we've seen everything. And but there's a team in the U.S. Yeah, the majority of the team is in U.S. in in San Francisco, in New York, and and uh, and the group is is remote. Okay.
2: And this is generally a U.S. product, right? Yeah, it's where 99 percent of our customers are U.S. based. Yeah. And, and is there an international choice, tro- or is it just too hard to underwrite and too many different laws? No. Or it's just enough work to do in the US? There's
0: enough work to do in the US, but I'll give you some interesting statistics. It's also that that, that Europe, for example, it, it lags in terms of equity ownership. So if you look at the US, about 18.6% of, of capital is owned by employees. In the UK, it's around 11%. Israel is actually pretty high. It's almost 19%, so higher than the uh, than the US. But then if you look at France and Germany and Norway and, and the Netherlands and Switzerland, it, it's really around 4 to 6%. So it's much smaller. And then the companies themselves are also much smaller. So those compounding effects lead to a smaller problem. But it is growing in Europe. And the same is true for India. The same is true for many Asian countries is that equity ownership across the world is increasing year over year. So when you look three, four, five years down the line, like these problems are going to pop up everywhere.
2: Yeah. And I think one thing this cycle taught a lot of you know, you were there and I've been pounding the table on people because this generation, because all this wealth got created in the private markets, didn't really, you know, there was fang, but they didn't really follow the stock or they only thought their stocks could go up. So I remember all these Asana employees and all these software employees that I was friends with and they would hit me up from my blog and say, I'd refer them to you. I'd refer them to experts to say, get a wealth manager and understand your exercise. And boy, it just is one of those things that got me bearish or, or nervous in 2020, 2021, when I started just, you know, talking about this stuff and, and really calling you and saying, I think we, I think these, know, the stupidity on both sides <laughs> is going to be dangerous. Where Asana employees with the stock at 90 or 100 or any, any of these stocks, they would come to you. They were worried about paying the five to twenty percent on a small portion, and now their stocks are down ninety yeah. percent. So, what don't they understand about this product? What? What can we do a better job of explaining that they're taking some risk, or is it just was it just too much greed? Yeah, I, I think people got carried away, and I I don't know. If it might be
0: greed. I think it's difficult, though, for a lot of individuals when you're like in your 30s. This is the first time you see this happening. They've never seen uh, a down market, they've only seen a bull market. There's only positive news all around. Uh, Only funding rounds of bigger valuations are being covered. Otherwise, it's not newsworthy. So I think nobody even believed that this could be possible. and I think that led a lot of people to just feel like their stock and their company was just worth the moon. And any type of rate that you would give them f- felt like it was offensive. Well, that's not true, but that's what might, some people might feel because to them, it felt like it's a completely risk-free asset. But yeah, now now look at where we are. You know, the, the biggest thing I've always, and this is... Uh, uh, yeah, also internally, like what we preach is like it's all about diversification in the end, even in the private markets. And when you work at a company and you own ninety-five percent of your net worth in stock of that company, the moment you can, you should diversify that. Like, diversify, diversify. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> And now world. you have
2: the team to help these people diversify. Uh, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. yeah, and then and the extended network of people like social leverage your investors. A lot of good investors. Wes has done a good job. Rucker park. And what have you learned through this whole process? Cause it's been, it was always a grind because the financial, just another thing about, you know, you and I know this financial products, they take 10 years, you know, a great startup can take six to seven, a great financial product takes 10 yep. because it's complicated Yeah. and it's niche. Like there's no financial product that solves, you know, it's, it's a service business. So, so what is the greatest thing you've learned about this process?
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like fintech is hard. Like the compliance piece is 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 complex, and you need to do it properly. Uh, you have the licensing on all all sides. Like money movement, you you need to get things right. Like you can't really play around. Uh, like security, yeah. you need to get it right. You can't really play. Like all of these aspects are when you deal with money, you need to get right, and you can't do it half ass. Um, and I think that that just creates that one and a half, two years like execution window. So, um, like a lot of that has been built now, so that's very positive from our perspective. But yeah, it takes longer than, uh, than than other players. I think I think
2: you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's stables in this business. There's wealth management. There's stock ownership. Mm-hmm. But now we're getting into these services that came along with tech angelist card. I'm going to put Secfi uh, in that category of important. You know, it's not a famous name. It may not be easy to say, but SecFi <laughs> means security. We've always argued about this. It should just be called Howie. Howie. <laughs> uh, it would be, yeah, well, Howie's easy. Howie Finance. Talk to Howie. Yeah, talk to Howie. Uh, yeah. But SecFi is security finance. Do you have to do a the short name for that, actually? Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yep. I do.
1: But, <laughs> we'll talk after um, the
2: show. <laughs> but SecFi means security financing, right? Yeah. And so people really need to type that, you know, you need to pass this, this handle around there's so much education on this site uh there is so much to know from the calculators and i know all the financial advisors we were with them all weekend when a multi-billion dollar financial advisor event they're all like they couldn't put your face in there everybody the sec five but they were excited that to meet you because you're the calculators behind all this, mm-hmm. you know where people can plug in the amount of stock they have, and what state they live in, and when they got it, and exercise prices. There's a lot of magical tools that you have built that everybody around the world is using. Yeah. You don't care about that, do you? That these? I know, like we were talking to the Baker Tilly guy, right? And I went up to him. I said, "We're suing you." But what, <laughs> how did that conversation go? No, For no example.
0: No, I don't. There, there's a lot of advisory firms and tax firms that are using us on a day to day basis, and um. I think, um uh, like some folks have reached out, like, okay, can we build like a wide label solution around this? like I don't know, maybe we will at some point in time, but like uh, we're happy uh like when when these folks really need help, like they will still come
2: to us, yeah, well, awesome, you know, great companies are built in the downturn. Are you feeling pretty good about things? I mean well capitalized now you're feeling good about things. I'm feeling good, I mean, it's gonna
0: kind of, yeah here we talked about it a little bit, like I think it's gonna take another few quarters before I think the market is really. There, there needs to be some valuation resetting happening still. So I think But remember, yeah. for
2: some things things will get worse. Like you're uh, yeah, you're are yeah. optimistic 'cause you're water. Water flows and yeah. it's machines, it's robotics, uh, it's it, SMA it's semiconductors. No, There's booms that you're are gonna happen yeah. that SecFi but people need to remember that they may not get a second chance, and that's okay. But I think—is there stuff that we can do with Secfi about trends where people should start thinking about if they have to move careers? I guess that—that that goes to that data, yeah, right. And I guess I can get that in many places. But you know, some places won't come back, and that's what people don't understand. You know, the next bull market won't look the same as the past bull market.
0: I, I totally agree. No, I think uh, I think that's already happening. Like you can see yeah. it even in some funding. Uh, when you see like where funding is happening, like I think some of those reports are coming out already from like PitchBook and others, like you already see the trends moving, and that's not just going to change. Like that's like, you, you might hope that two quarters from now, like certain fintech sectors are going to certainly be massively funded, but I don't think so.
2: Yeah, now you've hit the point where I think we have to start thinking about you know some outward bound advertising. So we'll talk about that soon too, because this is uh, as we come out of this next three quarters and into the next boom, I think have to start building the brand around Secfi. That's the kind of stuff that's fun to Howie. talk about finally. Howie, yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> Howie brand. All right, my man. Well, thanks for explaining. I think we covered everything. I'm going to let you go. And um how is the economy in Amsterdam? How's, how are you feeling about it? I think economy is pretty good here still. Like, I think that, that's the difference between Europe and the U.S., right?
0: The U.S., when it grows, it grows at like five times the, the, the pace. But when it goes bad, it also it also goes five times as bad. <laughs> yeah. And I think Europe is a little bit more stable, right? So it stays within these bounds effectively for up, of highs and lows. And, and and the US is just way more, it's like 3X, 4X of that. So it's not as bad in Europe, but funding rounds weren't as big. It weren't as exciting <laughs> on the way up. No, yeah. yeah. Like uh, good luck finding a company in Europe that received a $200 million Series A valuation pre-revenue with a two billion 2 dollar valuation, right? Like did not happen here. Yes.
2: All right. So, I will see you soon. I'm heading over there. But uh, thanks for coming over to the U.S. and talking to everybody. And uh, keep cranking. Keep cranking. Yeah. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. Take care. There you have it. Fred, my friend Fred. i would spent so much time at this company because I saw... These fintech brands, whether it's StockTwits or Robinhood or AngelList or Carta, they're still not household names, right? But they just are such important. All right, I'll take my brand out of their StockTwits, but they're such, I don't want to like toot my horn, but SecFi is building an important brand. really, really important. What people aren't understanding is Silicon Valley Bank, you can say, oh, we, we didn't miss a beat. There is no venture debt right now. So companies can't get venture debt. Okay, it's not funny. Like, there is a huge opportunity. Maybe venture debt shouldn't have been done by Silicon Valley Bank, and that's why they're undone. But the world needs venture debt right now. Like, if you have a $500 million venture debt fund, you are going to make your LPs money. Right. If companies like SecFi go away, obviously someone would try and recreate that idea, but it would cost a lot of money, and you'd have to build a huge brand and build all the techniques around the calculator. You know what I mean? Whew. So it was a scary year, because, as a derivative of tech, I can explain this to you as a derivative of the tech market, when tech people just, the people doing the lending backed away and the people whose stock went down 90% went away. So, companies like SecFi were hit by a double whammy, a superstorm, a tsunami of, you know, where revenues just dropped to zero. They didn't just drop 40%. They were just like, there's right. no revenue. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't, we didn't foresee that. And um, so it's been a tough year repositioning and rejiggering the company more than it would take a regular startup. But, you know, now that we have it figured out and got to the other side, we're positioned for this next upswing, which is super exciting because brands like Carta, you know, SecFi and Angelus need to be around or we take just too huge a step back, you know, other tech whether tech remains as important as it was in this last cycle or not these were huge important brands being created and they also helped the wealth management space so so I'm really excited to be part of this Fred has done an incredible job he did a great job at the event too did you see his fireside chat with me yeah awesome presentation yeah I mean really solid guy and that Dutch confidence you know that quiet confidence not arrogance like the like the Swedes and the Norwegians exactly <laughs> So uh, you were listening to Panic with Friends, Knut, myself, and sometimes Ethan Burke. Eight more months potentially if he behaves. Uh, we'll sit down. We talk to founders, venture capitalists, traders, speculators, friends, trying to get a little bit ahead of the market and really try and help uh, founders, you know, better themselves and and protect not just make a little money but protect it. I think that's going to be a more focus. Uh, for the next uh, for the years to come. SecFi is one of those companies. You can uh, go to search Panic with Friends or my name. you will uh, you can see us on YouTube, you can see us on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, uh, subscribe. You will get these every Thursday. Thanks, guys.
1: Howard Lindson is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of social leverage or stock twits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.